Hey guys, and welcome back to Keep Calm and Carry On. How are you all doing this week? Well, actually, for me, it's been a nice week. I've been working. I've been back on stage. It's been joyous. I've been to the Ned Hotel, which was absolutely glorious. If any of you haven't been there before, please go and check it out because it's absolutely wonderful. And I got to perform my new Christmas song at GAY with an amazing crowd. It was so much fun. But I hope you guys are doing all right out there. Oh, I also did a little um, performance at the Crazy Cox. I wonder if any of you guys tuned in and saw me singing a few crestive Christmas festive tunes. So, up this week, I have a very good friend of mine, actually, um, with a slightly different story. I guess she started out in music and had an opera career, really. was signed by a record label, was on our stages, had the most fantastic, beautiful voice and then turned her hand to nutrition. And we met um, a few years ago now, and she was absolutely incredible. She's a best-selling author and one of our leading nutritionists. Oh, please welcome, Rhiannon Lambert. Rhiannon, I'm so excited to have you here on my lovely little show. And in fact, I mean, I... We met a little while ago um, and I've been obsessed with your podcast and I've been watching your Instagram as we all socially stalk each other. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it's so joyous to have you here talking to me today. I mean, it's a shame we're not in the same room and we could give each other a big squeeze, but um, (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for giving up your time today. Oh, Kerry, it's it's such a pleasure. I'm so flattered, first of all, that you have invited me on your incredible podcast. I was a bit surprised thinking, oh, I'm a nutritionist now, but I know we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. But I know I'm gutted that we're remote because I wanted you to have a little cuddle of my son. Oh, we haven't been able to say hi in person. You I haven't know. met him yet. <laughs> I know, but I lo- I've loved all your little videos and his yeah. little hair is just the best. His little quiff. He's like got oh this little gosh. Elvis quiff. It's the best thing. He was born with a Mohawk in lockdown, um, <laughs> quite the character, definitely. <laughs> and how's it? I mean, how's it been? I mean, lockdown's probably a good and tough time to be to have had a child. I mean, it's that blissful time where you can unconditionally take time away and be with your baby, which is massive mum guilt when we all go back to work too soon. Um, but obviously, the constraints of being locked down must have and and sharing him with your friends and family must have been so oh. difficult. Do you know, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. The, the pros were definitely the fact that I had time to establish feeding without any pressure, you know, visits, that sort of thing. We've had real quality bonding time for my husband and me because normally he'd be going to work and he wouldn't see as much of Zachary. Yeah. But um, yeah, we've had that time. But the real tricky bit, Carrie, was I think because I was on my own in the hospital for five days and yeah. my husband was only allowed in because of my mental health on day five. Because of COVID restrictions, you weren't meant to have partners. And then when you leave, you're suddenly, yeah, new parents with zero support or help. Even health visitors on the NHS couldn't visit you. So oh, wow. no one picked up on his tongue tie or these little, you know, things <sighs> that happen, allergy scares, rashes. No one could look at my boy. And you're just there dealing with this new life you've got completely alone and it was heartbreaking for my parents oh I bet they they didn't see Zachary until he was two and a half months old in the end oh my goodness yeah they missed all of that new newborn bit and yeah I guess I've got this element of I'm still grieving for that experience that was kind of lost 
But at the same time, the positives are that we've got such a close bond and I know my baby inside out now. And I yeah. guess if I can do that, I guess you can do anything, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, lockdown has been... I think for all families, it's been really interesting, so, especially with mine. I mean, my I very rarely, we don't often have dinner together. We have breakfast, but it's, that's been a really nice thing. So, it, yeah, like you say, it's those, those pros and cons. But uh, I mean, it, what is lovely is how much you, you do share with, uh, with, with your um, supporters and you're so honest. And I think that's so refreshing for people to because lots of people go through the same thing and, and you're so you're so naturally honest on I know Instagram is a is an interesting form you know we, we don't always post everything but to have somebody go oh you know that I I can relate to that is it's so yeah. good I mean are you do you consciously do it or do you just post what you think you should post well this is the thing that you, what you've mentioned am I consciously doing it is a really good question because I sometimes think I don't put enough thought into it because I do just say how I feel on a big platform which actually sometimes can be really psychologically challenging um because I've had it for a while now Instagram I guess I as the numbers ticked up and you get more and more people engaging with you it still feels like it did for me at the start when it was a very small platform Mm. so I forget sometimes that so everything I say sometimes isn't going to be heard in the same way by other people. So by opening myself up and being honest, I know I've opened myself up to judgment, mm. criticism, all of those sorts of things. And I do get upset sometimes, but when you realise it's helping more, pe- more people mm. than the negatives, and I know we do, we're, we're creatures of nature, we all take on one negative comment, you can't ignore it. But the positives really outweigh that and I've actually found it quite therapeutic perhaps selfishly as well it's not all selfless I mean speaking out about it has been yeah having other mums message in and say Mm. gosh thank you for sharing your birth story I went through hell I've realized that I should have got help and I never did you know all those Mm. sorts of things are quite yeah it's quite a revelation I guess yeah it's I have a bit I have a I have quite a good relationship with I know Mm. some people get a lot of troll in and get a lot of trouble and uh, bad reactions but I, for me it's it's good too I have a good interaction it's fun I get to speak to people it's nice and generally it's a good place to be but you're I mean I guess professionally you're wonderful at, at batting it back if you have an opinion but I guess personally if you mm. if you get called out or if somebody challenges you that must be a, a different thing Having a son now and being a mum, I'm vulnerable. And I always was before, but I think there's something that changes in you where you become extremely heightened to your emotions, even more so than before. And having someone comment on the way I parent or... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, you know, it's just... That that carries a whole new level. And there's a reason why... Really, yeah, and my husband doesn't like... He's appeared on it very... Very, in very small doses mm. he doesn't like it and I actually like keeping my private private life like my relationship off social media platforms yeah. but I share bits that I feel are helpful and educational and um, the motherhood I guess is part of that journey to a degree but it does hit you I think um your personal life is very different because I'm a professional and I guess 
I'm very comfortable talking about nutrition and health. And, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, it's, I've read the books, I've done my studying and yeah. I could share bits of life experience. But when you're talking about yourself, oh, it does cut deeper when someone has something to say. Yeah, I bet, I bet. So I want to talk, the, the, the reason, the main reason I brought you onto the show, um, other than I adore you, um, is, is to talk about your transition because obviously the people that, that follow you and, and uh, you know, you read your books and follow your nutrition, as I do, um, mm. I've fallen off the wagon a little bit in lockdown. <laughs> Kerry, didn't everybody? I mean, I don't think anyone has had a normal food relationship in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will get to that. But I will yes. get to that. I want yes. to go back to because you had quite a theatrical start. You you sang. You trained in classical singing. Mm-hmm. You were um, on classic FM. You know, you really celebrated as a singer early on. And I wanted to kind of know: was your direction? Did it start with with wanting to be a performer? Did, did you go to drama school? Did you you know where? How did it start is what I want to know. Okay. Um, and that that's, again, this is why I'm actually really happy that you've invited me on because it's, not, it's nice for people, I think, sometimes to know that you can have multiple passions. Yeah. And it's okay to chase different dreams sometimes if something doesn't quite work out. So I always thought I was just going to be a singer. I didn't really pay much attention to science at school, Carrie. I was actually really bad. I'm terrible at maths even to this day. And yeah, it's, it's shockingly uh, bad. I dread to think my son's homework when I get to that point. <laughs> how you do it? Well, I've let's just say all. I'm glad that Alfie wasn't any older than six with the homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, we need to mention that later. I bet that was a challenge. Um <laughs> But no, so I um, won a competition with Classic FM when I was about, I think I was 16 turning 17. And I'd had no formal training. So I just always heard people singing like yourself, you know, I, I idolized and loved, you know, everything you did and do and still do. And I I would just try and copy things. And I knew my voice um, tilted naturally towards a more classical type sound. It was always Christine Dye, Phantom, those types of roles. But the very old musicals, Carousel, um, my voice was more suited towards that. And growing up, I was an odd child. Like, I didn't like what everyone else liked. My family weren't musical. And when I won this competition, I copied Strauss's laughing song, which is a bizarre choice for someone... I just how did you find that where did you find where how did that land in your lap it was because I'd chosen to do GCSE music at school Mm. and I wanted to do a level and somebody I remember we were studying anthropology music and different pieces and that was one of the songs that I'd come across and I thought I could try and do that I can't yeah I could do this and it was when I look back it was terrible I wasn't breathing with my diaphragm correctly you know all the sorts of things I wasn't really singing with control I, I was just naturally not abusing my vocal cords, I guess people would look at now, which was pretty bad. But it sounded <laughs> it sounded okay, and I won this competition, and I got moved up to London, and the music, um, the record label I signed to at the time, so I got signed um, to an indie music label before the big labels. I had a choice of I work part time, I pay for my own rent and accommodations, and they they would provide my music education. Mm. 
So I remember handing CVs out on Oxford Street because there was no social media then, you know, it wasn't really, we didn't have any of that, did we, back then? You barely um, emailed then. No, (laughs) I don't think I had, I think my old email address was one of those embarrassing names. You know, like you look back, it's like Kitty Kitty 543. (laughs) Something that was just like... Like a really bad stage name, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, well, I'm glad we're going with stage name because it does sound really dodgy. (laughs) It's really bad. Um, Yeah. I had one yes I handed out CVs I got offered caramelin or accessories I took caramelin so I was working in retail and I got private tuition at the Royal Academy of Music and that's when my world really started to change so I met Mary Hammond she became my she became my everything mummy Mary I used to call her I lived she found me a flat literally 10 minute walk from her house so I could walk around and see her at her house I'd go in and meet the musical theatre students on the MT course there uh, the postgrad musical theatre course. You didn't go to the college then. You didn't. You were just t- training with Mary and dropping. So I in. got private one to ones at the college. Wow! So I managed to study with everybody else there. I don't know how this even worked at the time. Technically, I was extremely lucky. I didn't pay the college fees that I. How did you paid. get in contact with with Mary then? How did that happen? My record label. So uh, the label. Yeah. So they're like, we think you should study here. And I was like, great, but I couldn't commit at the time financially because I just had this retail job. Yeah. I couldn't afford it. So I managed to get pretty much the same tuition and Mary just took, you know, the rate for her. And I was, it was such a rare case. I was so, so fortunate. The world that I was thrown into, of course, um, meeting Brian, Brian May when I was a lot younger, because mm. I met Stuart Morley, who um, was MD of your We Will Rock You Lovely Stuart Morley. And I did a lot of songwriting with him, because we were creating a classical crossover thing. That's kind of how it started, Kerry. So I guess I got into this world, and but then the recession hit in 2008, mm-hmm. and I lost everything. And the label went under... The music industry was a mess. Classical crossover mm. suddenly wasn't popular anymore. So I'd spent all this time tra- training to produce an album. into your, your talent, your, your livelihood. And it just wasn't going to sell anymore. It just wasn't going to work. You must and I have been devastated. Yeah, I think I lived my life in limbo. I saw all my friends were at uni or they were enrolled full-time on the courses. So they lived a very different life to me. They were going out, partying and studying, you know, doing what you do when you're at college. Whereas I was pretty much working full-time and singing full-time on the side. It was a very different, very dark space. I actually developed um, depression and went on antidepressants. I ate very badly. Mm. I lived off diet. So young as well to do that. Yeah, I was still in my teens at this point. And (gasps) it was only when I turned 21 that I decided to enrol again at university. And that's when my nutrition career started. And Wow. Yeah. That's quite early then, isn't it? I mean, that's still quite... You'd done a lot up until your early 20s. You know, you'd had a a career almost. You'd lived a life almost. And then to to change that, to have a dramatic change in in direction, still quite young, is is quite... it's quite cha- it's, it's a challenge, but it's also a real real decision to make. And the fact that you were going to go back to school and and, and study that's very okay. brave. Well, I think at the time you don't really you're too young to realise it was brave. You just sink or swim, don't you? And yeah. I just you have to keep swimming. It was psychologically damaging. 
I has, I've spent a lot of time in therapy since, you know, going back to those those days and those times. Because one minute I was singing with Alfie Bow on stage and we would yeah. do duets together. And then I'm back to square one. I'm the mature student on the course because 21 and everyone's 18. You are actually the older one. Yeah. Um, but it's the best looking back. It was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. And I still do sing on the side and I have my, I met these girls and I sang all around the world still when I was at uni in an opera quartet so it's very strange how life pans out I saw that I, I was reading about that because obviously I know a little bit about your singing history but um how did that how did the band come about how was how how did you did you just have that focus that you wanted to keep singing and it was a passion and you, you wouldn't didn't want to let it go yet yeah while you was, were training yeah I was never ready to let it go I think I just loved it so much and the the management that created a scala the um they did Britain's Got Talent, they won, they became very successful. They wanted to create a girl group equivalent of a scala, but vocals rather than um, musical instruments. And we, oh my God, we got to sing for a royal wedding in Switzerland at the top of a mountain. I went to <laughs> Oman for two days for a gig, wow. Singapore for a day. That was crazy. It, and it was more corporate, high profile Ness and Dorma, the mm. typical um, crowd pleasers. Yeah. You know what it's like. You know, you'll do a big anthem or something, and yeah, that, yeah. that's your, your crowd pleasing kind of numbers time to say goodbye. Um, so I kept that up on the side whilst working multiple jobs and doing uni. But it was pocket money for me. I was so grateful. I would go to Singapore for like £400, Kerry. Like, I know it's like what I used to do because I was a student. Yeah, and I was, so, I was so grateful. Of and of course. course, it is a lot of money. But to go that way, now I realise perhaps they were getting a very good deal. <laughs> I think they were. I think they were. It's, you know, it's hard though in those situations. Yeah. Because so especially young performers will we'll just take advantage of of any situation and it's really difficult I do think it's it's tough but it it's it's interesting that you kept it going you know that you you kept your hand in and you didn't go right I'm going to completely change my direction now you still and you still do which I think is amazing because I think performing can help people so much in, in like we talk about mental health slightly and and I just it's become very apparent at the moment um especially a lot of performers and also people that go to theatre go to mm. live performances of of how it helps people that escapism for for a couple of hours is so important and I think it's being a little bit underestimated at the moment without getting my political head on <laughs> oh Carrie don't get me started I feel like yeah, it's very hard, actually, without getting political. But music, so the science part of my brain now, there was, re there was research that's been conducted that when we sing or when we listen to music, it lights up more parts of the brain yes. than anywhere else. So it's more stimulating, even for children. And that, that does play a role in mental health. It is yeah. escapism. And we need that. It creates these natural endorphins, this huge buzz yeah. that you just can't, you don't get it anywhere else, really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's been, again, it's been so apparent for me. I mean, I remember early on in, in lockdown, I wasn't really singing and I had this like, it was my husband. He was like, you need to sing. And he does it to me periodically if I've not gone to do a big show for a few weeks or something. He's like, you need to go and sing because it's almost like I get myself in a funk until I actually yeah. get rid of it. And, and I, I put a few live streams on because I needed to sit and sing for an oh, hour. Oh, they were amazing. I loved your live streams. Oh, thank you. But just to sing and 
and get that release and get that interaction, even though it was through a screen, I, I felt like I needed it. And I wonder if, how I feel I've always been pretty uh, balanced, level-headed-ish, but it's amazing what ha- has happened to me since not having that outlet and ha- not having that opportunity to perform. And and it's been it's been really hard. And I, I do feel for all my friends, or my colleagues, or my you know people that I've worked with. I wonder how they're dealing with it. Which it's kind of what inspired the podcast. I wanted to speak to people about it and see how they're doing and what they're feeling am I you know the only one (laughs) no it was I listened to your um your Arlene Phillips um episode as well and I was just it was incredible but yeah I mean it's hit everyone it doesn't matter how successful you are even at the very top there's no hierarchy here now is there in the in the arts it's literally everybody is and it because it's part of your soul like you said you needed to sing and it really does reflect in the fact that even my nutrition clinic we are gosh, we're fully booked in eating disorders at the moment and mm. we're fully booked with our mental health um, yeah, psychologists. Yeah. It's it's taken a toll on so many people. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, t- I mean, talking about obviously what you do now properly and your proper job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For nutrition. And, and I mean, it's, I don't think I pro- properly... Um, uh, welcomed nutrition until a lot later on in life and looking back on it you you know especially going to a drama school where there is so many problems in a drama school so many body issues eating habits I mean eating disorders like there's so much and I think even though again we, we've talked and I didn't have a bad relationship with food but but I think especially theatrical people sport people people that are mm. in, in front of an audience or perform for a living all have a crazy relationship with food and I think lockdown has highlighted how important food can make you feel and I I wish that or I hope that it's people in this time have taken will take on you know just think about what you're putting in whatever you're putting in will make you feel better and I hope the younger people go into drama school really take note now and there is so much more information out there on social media and is that more accessible but I just wish that it would be helped earlier on you know because oh tell me about it it affects you so so much the fact that you were unscathed technically with a without developing a poor relationship with food is incredible Carrie because anyone at your level um normally that I see or I work with have been through something major with food and it does transpire for people under pressure it's because it's it's the easiest and it's the easiest and most accessible coping strategy to have to turn to food or turn away from it and too Mm. often I think in drama school environments ballet schools any performance type of um, body image led area or your body is your tool it's a focus on what you can take out rather than what you put in and it's wrong Mm. it should be the mindset should be shifted to let's think about what you can put in. So you're, you can support your diaphragm, you can support your muscles, yes. you, can, you can grow strong rather than how can I be as restrictive as possible because I'm disciplined and therefore I'm more successful mm. if I restrict. The thinner I am, the better There's I am. There's a big thing about yeah. weight. I mean, weight is, is dominates our industry, I think. You're yeah. either one extreme or another, you know, depending on what you get cast as. Well, so- then you become typecast for the role based on your body shape look at co- comedic roles mm, yeah oh my god yeah 
yeah it's and and also I think it's really bad for people just the timing of what we do is obviously late there's never a good any I've been doing it 25 years and there's still not a good time to eat you don't eat too close to the show because (laughs) no sluggish then you you don't really want to eat after the show because that's the worst time but everybody's hungry after the show and it's such a it's such a minefield of how to get it right how to have enough energy for the show I mean it's just a it's a minefield I mean it's I'm sure it's a big question but what how would you suggest somebody in the arts to or somebody in performance related what would you suggest to them? I mean, I know it's a big question to ask because obviously we've talked lots, but to, to try and help them out a little bit. Yeah. I know performers, they don't. We grab stuff. We grab a sandwich. We grab a banana. We, we do Pret, it all- rice cakes. Pret. I mean, yeah, well, you know. That. <laughs> Thanks, Pret. Um, yeah, that's my weakness. Because uh, it's just, it's not an easy answer, but it, it you know, it's, it's what I think a lot of performers need and I know a lot of young performers listen to this and I know that they'd really benefit from a I do think that yeah nutrition should be part of a um it should be taught in drama schools performance-based areas even for musicians not just singers it should be everywhere it's disgusting how it's still not this again is a bit political but I think there's a lot that could be done in this country to get nutrition and curriculums to a different level but that's another subject yes Um, yes especially current situation I mean again we don't really want to go there but current situations obviously our lovely prime minister losing his weight and then not I don't know if that was dealt with the best way no no there's a lot that it's, it's a very sensitive subject and in fact when we talk about nutrition and I want to give your listeners some kind of tips let's not think about weight let's think about the fuel you're putting in let's be realistic if you could start by aiming at least for one full balanced meal a day. If the others are grab and goes, that's a good target. Like if you know breakfast is the one consistent thing you can do every single day, get a good breakfast in. If you've got time at home, then do cook a kind of healthy-ish fry-up version. If you've got time, get your eggs in in the morning or put it in a burrito wrap on the go if you are going out. Porridge is another really good one. Always add fruit. Basically, the more fiber that they get in the diet, Carrie, the better their bowel movements, the less bloated they're going to be. And this is a misconception. People think, oh, I'm going to be bloated and sluggish if I eat a lot of fiber or complex carbs. Actually, your digestion will eventually become more efficient and you will go a lot more and have more bowel movements and you'll feel like a bit of a a machine. When you eat, you just feel like you're utilizing the nutrition from the food in a a different way. People are quick to cut carbs, aren't they? Bread and carbs. Yeah, whereas actually, especially you performers, your brain will not be able to focus and run as effectively without oh, it. That's so true. It's so true. If I like, if I've grabbed the wrong thing before a show, you almost feel yourself going. <laughs> yeah, please. The amount of clients I've had that want to have a salad before a show, and I'm like, you're actually probably better off having. And this is where the difference comes in. Before you perform, you want to have perhaps a few more refined carbs. Like some white stuff is okay because it it gets digested quickly. It's not going to mm-hmm. cause you any problems. It's a burst of energy that you are definitely going to burn when you're on stage. It's in the lunch times and the mornings that you want those complex carbs that they're going to carry you over and tight, keep your energy levels balanced, keep you from being less sluggish. Yeah. And then try and get good snacks, like things that you can always keep in your handbag. 
packets of stereotypical packets of nuts, nuts and things fruit. and fruit they're the best snacks that you can have yogurts you can buy on the go with a spoon to always have a spoon in your handbag or your good pack. <laughs> yeah always have a spoon <laughs> and drink it is so unsexy you listen to probably think this is so boring but i bet they're not all hydrated enough like they need to be drinking tons if you think you're drinking enough always add more and then that's a good way of making sure you're getting that's a good one that is yeah. a good one We'll be right back with Rhiannon in just a moment. But if you are enjoying the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review because we love to hear what you have to say and what your thoughts are. And give us an idea of who you want up next. We've got lots of fantastic guests for the rest of this season and we're already planning a season three, would you believe? Oh, and if you do want to check out my website, kerryellis.com, there's a few little keep calm and carry on merchandise pins left. And I think I have a few. So be quick. And also my latest album, Feels Like Home. Right, let's get back to Rihanna. I'm, I'm all right if I'm doing a show. I'll drink loads, but yeah. if I'm not, I mean, I do drink a bit, but it, when I'm singing, it's like programmed into me. Drink yeah. lots of water, drink lots of water. Yeah, of course. You want your vocal cords to be fluid. You need your vocal cords. <laughs> and what about if you want to stay looking you full and energised, guys? You want to get your protein in as well, because that's important with collagen production and... If you don't have vitamin C from fruit and veg, you're not going to support that collagen production anyway. And then your happy hormone, your mood is affected. If you don't have carbs and protein, you won't perform well. Yeah. You basically need a balanced plate with all food groups. Yeah. What was your, what are your thoughts on like after show eating? Yes. So that's the hardest thing that I think everybody really, really struggles with. It's better to have pre-cooked something. So whatever you had at lunch that day, if you can keep a bit of it left over in the evening when you get mm. home... And just have maybe the top of it. So if you've made a stew or something of rice, then just have the stew in the end of the day. It's going to be hot. Anything that's cooked is easier to digest than something that's raw or something mm-hmm. you bought out of a packet quickly. So it's part, it's a bit sciencey, but let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> you are good at science. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. I've got, I carry can see me because obviously this is um, audio, but imagine you've got an apple. The skin around the apple is made up of obviously loads of different cells. And if you heat it, you're going to break away a layer straight away of the apple. So when you eat it, there's less to break through and it's easier to go into your body. It's easier to digest and break down. Same happens with vegetables when you add them to hot water or you roast them. Whereas if you're eating raw carrot sticks and hummus after a show, you'll probably have a painful stomach in the evening. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be a bit harder. So try for things like soups, stews dare I say it, even a lentil dal or something, if you've got it, that's okay. People think they're going to cause you problems, but because Mm. it's cooked well, it's easy to eat. And then if you really are not hungry, which I doubt you're probably ravenous, if you're not hungry, that's when you can have a selection of, let's say, your rice cakes of nut butter and things on top and your fruit on the side. But if you can, get something hot in you after a show and you'll probably sleep better as well than having something cold, like a sandwich so or something. Good. That's so good. So you think it's kind of all right as well? Because, again, you, you, yeah, it's in you to go, oh, it's the worst time to eat. I mean, I know a late night curry isn't great. But oh, no, is no. It, you know, it, it's probably better to, to have something to, than to deprive yourself and not. Oh, 100%. And it's about the time frame. So the reason it's not good to eat so late at night is because your body needs to digest the food before you sleep. And you've got to give your body time to do that. Whereas you probably just want to eat something and go straight to bed. And that's when it's going to sit in your stomach. But actually, if you can try and get something you can heat up very quickly when you get home, or even grab 
on your transport on the way mm, home. That's good. That's a good time to... Then if you can take it to the theatre with you, like some people take things, they'll last in Tupperware for three or four hours. Yeah. And then you can eat it on the way back. Even if it's cold and it's been pre-cooked before, that's better than nothing. It's so good. That's so great. it's what you eat over the course of a day, not... Or a week. Look at it in long-term perspective rather than... You're not going to pile on loads of pounds if you eat that because you just burnt loads doing a show. Yeah. So... Well, and fasting is very trendy. Lots of theatre people fast as well. And you think if you're, like, you try and do it in your certain hours, if you don't eat after the show, or if you eat after the show, then you won't eat until, like, the following day at two o'clock. I mean... Oh, my gosh. Is that just a... Is that just a real no-no? I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of people. It wreaks havoc with blood sugar. It is true. Do you know what it is? It's because fasting gives people a euphoric sense if you do it long enough. So there's no research that fasting... There's a lot of myths out there that it helps regenerate cells and things. It doesn't work that way. It's very, very complex. Mm. But if you fast, and this is what happens in, I'm going to use this example, in anorexic patients, is that it becomes easier and easier to restrict food because your body releases protective mechanisms to make you re- not to protect you from realizing you're not getting enough food. So you feel high, you feel like you're fine, like you don't need it, and you're running off adrenaline and cortisol which is actually internally probably causing more stress and damage on your body than you actually realize. It's just masked because you're in a starvation period, if that makes sense. Yeah. But some people carry it might work, you know. Everyone's so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe not for the majority, but some people might genuinely thrive off fasting. Yeah, yeah. So moving on to being a, a parent, I mean, I know you're a new parent. and Very new, Kerry, very it's, new. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, you're doing brilliantly. You're so amazing. And, you know, he's wonderful. And it's early days for your balancing act. Um, How do I want to say this? So food with your children. I mean, like my kids, my kids are six and four. And again, we usually have a very, very busy lifestyle. They are so active. I'm so impressed. They do monkey bars. Like that's impressive stuff. Oh my goodness. (laughs) They're insane. And obviously they're burning and they, I mean, they want rubbish all the time. They want pasta. They want carbs, carbs and more carbs. And all Freddie wants is a ham sandwich. And it's, I mean, I've, when they're young, it's been great because you could get lots of mushed up vegetables and mushed up um fruit into them easy brilliant then they get an opinion and they talk back to you and then they find chicken nuggets and it's just the world is ruined I mean what are you again it's probably a massive question but getting a balanced diet into your children when they're that young obviously we all know it's the it's it's great and if you can it's the best thing to do but how detrimental is it to them I mean and especially like my generation we were kind of, I mean, we were all brought up on lasagnas and, you mm. know, um, pasta and yeah. pizzas and all that stuff. And it does change. But I wonder if, you know, is there is there a way to get more into them without them yeah. knowing or what, is it bad? <laughs> no, so don't pat, there's, there's a study called the, the first 1,000 days of a child's life. And that counts from preconception, pregnancy, and that period you mentioned after where you're weaning them and you can get the veg in. Mm. That shows that it has an impact on your child's temperament, intelligence, IQ, everything about them. So those first 1,000 days, crucial. So don't worry too much when they go through that experimental picky phase because 
chances are it is just a phase and a phase when I say phase could be a year like a phase of a child is quite a long time yeah, actually yeah, yeah yeah but it is important you do get the veg in and the fiber in terms of like with sandwiches do, do go for brown bread over white yeah try and shove occasional stuff in I think the best way to get veg in is things like lasagnas and pasta bakes and all of those types of things that are kind of big family-based dishes casseroles and stew if if they eat that kind of stuff I don't know how how the boys are with those but this is to say they're probably like I don't want peas in this one I don't like peas something like that they'll see it won't they they don't like mixed up food it's hard they will Ah. they will separate food and I think a lot of kids do that they 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 do do, they see something green and they free unless it's cucumber they freak out so they have to like move it off their it's like they eat they won't if I make something with lots of things in it it freaks them out (laughs) yeah (laughs) they pick it to pieces (laughs) it will come it will come in time and to to put your mind at ease you're not doing any harm by not being able to get all of that in them because everything is fortified these days so even if they're having white bread that is actually fortified with other nutrition that you wouldn't realize that's added into the flowers so flowers flower you know what I mean I'm looking at flowers in front of me and I'm like flowers (laughs) but yeah flower has like it's enriched with iron and extra things in it which you wouldn't realize and children are getting more than you think Mm. if it's just a ham sandwich well ham does contain protein b vitamins things you don't realize but you do have to be so persistent with it. Try not to reward, I think, with... Um, so if they eat, let's say, their broccoli on their plate, don't reward with more food like dessert. With but reward cream, with... Yes. Yeah, not with ice cream. Reward with something else. Like, oh, you can watch this TV show yeah, for X amount really of good. time. Sometimes they do need bribes and incentives. That's children thrive off routine, off structure. Mm. And it's easier said than done. But that might just be what it takes sometimes. It's a little yeah. nudge, but try not to make food a reward. As I think we grew up with food as a reward, our generation. Um, you would get an ice cream or a sweet or an yeah. ice lolly or something. Dessert afterwards if you finish your plate, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Now we try to encourage if they're not hungry and they don't finish their plate, that's okay. You actually leave it. So it's more... Yeah, that's good intuitive yeah than it was before but nutrition plays more of a role I'd say when you get into that I would say 9 10 11 age mm, range yeah yeah so it might be a phase yeah it <laughs> is. Phase. I remember their taste buds change they don't they don't like the taste of broccoli and, and yeah. things and then they develop those taste buds in time where they become able to process them in a different way that's good to know yeah, yeah don't panic <laughs> no I'll, I'll, I'll check back in with you in a few years when yeah. when yours kicks back at you and says I'm not eating my piece oh I know <laughs> I know and what's worse is people will probably assume that because I'm a nutritionist my child's going to be a perfect eater I don't know what's going to happen with Zachary I'll do my best but you, I think as it's easier said than done, but you just got to let go sometimes and just be yeah. like, they're happy, they're healthy, and he will eat tomatoes and he will eat, praise the little wins, you know. Yes, absolutely. That's that's really good. That's really good. So for for the grown ups, um, yes. you've got some incredible <laughs> books out. I mean, Aww. I've got I think about two or three of them, and they're yeah. and they're, <laughs> they're fantastic and they're really user friendly. They make things really simple. Um, you know, I still make one of your smoothies very often. Yay. And it's it, it, it's really nice to see something that's accessible to everyone that's not too 
difficult to make or difficult or you've generally got most of the ingredients there's nothing more annoying than when you know you get a lovely cookbook out and you've you've probably always got five things missing or you haven't got that and yours is really you know it's simple and I love that where where did you did the the books follow just the nutrition or did that how did that come about how was your- oh, it's mad, Carrie, the book thing, because like you said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm quite a simple person myself. I don't have all these fancy ingredients in the cupboard. And there was a real gap for that because all the health books or people written by health had all these miracle powders in them and concoctions. Yeah. And it was so expensive. And when I was approached to write a book, I think I had about 7,000 followers on Instagram. I was um, quite outspoken in a way, because I did question a few things. And that's where I think I got a publisher's attention and I got approached with a book deal. I was given a year to write it and basically re-nourish my first book was everything I believed in nutrition. You know, it was, it, it even has a section on body image in there because mm, it's something I felt nice. so important. Yeah, that's, and then the recipes, I'm not a chef. I, I'm I'm not a perfect cook and it has to be something that is achievable like you said like one of the recipes is just banana and nut butter on toast because it may not be a recipe recipe but it gives people inspiration to make something and that is part of it because there is nothing worse I'm sure lots of people have gone through it especially at this time of of that conversation what should we have for dinner yeah yeah. what I want for dinner is to not make the decision about dinner yes that's what I want but (laughs) having those little simple you know simple things like changing up your breakfast and having yeah banana and yeah. nut butter I mean that's perfect but knowing that that's a, a good little inspiration yeah. and, and option is great and I think that's really important and it's all about inspiration I think I did a I also did a bit of mindful chef for a while which was great and yes. I've done some, yeah. some work with them and mm. again having just having different options was was really good and and because we get stuck in a rut don't we we just get stuck in the same recipes buying Variety. the same thing at the, at the supermarket and it's it can be mind-numbingly dull. All of your listeners probably can count on one hand the amount of veg that they always buy in the supermarket. It's always a tomato, a carrot, maybe peas or broccoli, a pepper, maybe an onion. Mm. Yeah, like I think challenging yourself to buy one new ingredient whenever you go shopping is good. Do you do oh, that now? No, no, but I loved it because you did a post um, the other day about... Yeah, I did, yeah. What did you make? I um, bought a fennel. A I fennel? Was it fennel? I was, I thought, yeah. it was I was like, oh, that was brilliant. I was like, well, good luck with that because I don't know what I'd do with, with fennel. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Butternut squash is about as daring as I go. <laughs> oh, I hate... Do you know, but I actually hate cutting butternut squash. Oh, it's so hard. Veg like that, it's, it's a blooming workout. So I've got to admit, sometimes I do buy the pre-chopped packets of butternut squash. Oh, dude, that's not a bad thing, though. That's again it's all about convenience isn't it making it something fresh but something easy exactly yeah but just challenge yourself and again you're going to be healthier if you can get more varieties of food in your diet because that helps your the bacteria that lives in your gut to thrive and uh what do you call it flourish and then you'll just become healthier and live for longer and be happier and healthy it sounds very easy too easy to be (laughs) true but i do do you have a go-to dinner that you cook i mean yes your standard favorite thing is what is it especially now I barely have any hours without Zachary in the day like I'm a full-time mum I don't have a nanny yeah quick quick dinners I will cut everything shove it in the oven I have roasted veg nearly every night now I love it and I'll shove in some veggie sausages which I love or um 
burger bean burgers that I bought very quickly because I don't have time nice. I used to make that kind of stuff but now I just I buy them and and you just yeah. that's your just with a bit of veg shove it in done sweet potato for my carbs and that's so delicious roasted sweet potato veg a whole garlic clove I always shove that in and then you've got your protein base you've got your carbs your protein olive oils on it healthy fats bam and that's it and it tastes I look forward to it and I, I do add cheese because I just love cheese that's really good that's a really simple so simple easy solution I like that I might yeah. even do that tonight for my you dinner. do it babe yeah <laughs> it, honestly it's the easiest go-to and then if I'm really really I don't know strapped for time but feel like cooking sometimes I even do things like I call it a pizza omelette because I just shove a um make a like frying pan base of omelette and then shove veggies I've got left over from the roasted veg I may have had the night before oh, and it's like good. a pizza but an omelette base and it's just quick I love that's it and I might really have good. a pit of bread on the side or something that's really good do you and your your, your hubby have the same um will you cook together like do you have the because I like because I'm a, I'm predominantly I'm mainly a veggie I don't really eat lots of um I eat a bit of fish but I don't eat any meat and that's been the case for about the last five years, which I I really enjoy. Yeah. But but my husband then will go, yeah, but I need a bit of, need a bit of protein. You know, they feel like they need that that bit of extra or that bit of you know. And it's it because then you're cooking like three different meals. But before you know it, you can be doing something for the kids, something for you, something for your husband. I mean, it can get like crazy. But do you have a common? Do you just do one thing or do you? Your um, your dialogue that you just said is exactly the same as me and Billy. <laughs> like, honestly, he is exactly the same. He's like, I don't want to have veggie sausages again tonight. Like, Where's the <laughs> yes. meat? Give Where's me the, the meat. meat. And do you know, he likes and lumps it because I'm the one cooking it sometimes. Yeah. So he has, he has to just eat what I'm cooking. Um, but yeah, we have done two different meals but he just adds his different protein source to it that's all it takes you know do you think they have a different like need for protein or do they think they need they need the meat or do you think that it's and and also psychological I think so definitely psychological I think it's a stereotype of society for men especially with the pressure to to be this mean machine that yeah needs protein from animal products to be I mean, and get me wrong, it, eating meat isn't bad. And I just want to reiterate that to your listeners. Yeah. If you eat meat, it's not bad for you. There's a lot of myths out there that say meat is really bad for your health. It's totally okay in moderation, but you don't need meat to be healthy and get enough protein. That, mm. I mean, I have a whole plant-based ebook on how to eat yes. plant-based. Yeah, for people yes. that want to read more about it, you're, you're, you're totally fine. But yeah, we have that debate all the time, Carrie. I mean, <laughs> especially now we've got Zachary. You're not bringing our boy up without meat. And I'm like, if he doesn't need it, the new world sustainability. <laughs> so. Well, I think that's the thing, is it? A bit, a bit of lots of different influences is always good. It's, it's, it's yeah. Portion size is another thing, though. I mean, again, it was really interesting for me with the Mindful Chef because obviously everything comes at the right portion and you have the right amount and we would both have it and we would both be fine and that would be great. I could be okay then for the rest of the evening and then James would also like later on at night he'd be like well I'm a bit hungry now but whether that was a psychological thing because again it it's more like a it's a smaller portion of of something than perhaps we normally have it's exactly the same as so what Billy does he does exactly <laughs> the same so this is not you know this is this can't be enough you know it's and actually 
technically male portion sizes more often than not are a little bit bigger than females because they've got a larger muscle mass they're yeah. built differently to us they they actually burn more energy in the day than we do because they've got more muscle mass we're, we're, we're just differently designed in, in that way but um yeah portion sizes are difficult and I don't want everyone to feel they have to count numbers to be healthy I think you have to work out how active you've been that day really mm. think about it if you've been sat down all day, you probably don't need a plate as big as you normally would have. And look at the hand size portions as a rough kind of oh, guide. Yes, so good. yeah, like a palm of your hand for protein. That looks like a fish fillet, really, or yeah. a handful of chicken nuggets, Kerry, or something. <laughs> you know, some, something <laughs> in the your devil hand. food in this house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so noted if I actually do, I'll make healthy chicken nuggets for your boys yeah, if do. I ever come over. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, and don't then, ever introduce them to Zachary because you just game over. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that'll be the chicken nugget again. Anyway, um, and then you get two large handfuls of veg. Like veg, you can have as much as you want, I think, on your plate. is a good encouraging factor. A little bit of healthy fat, like a thumb-sized portion. It's like a spoon of olive oil. And then you've got your carbs, just a handful of carbohydrates. Because if you think about the size of a small jacket potato, it would fit in your hand. Yeah. Or a portion of rice, you could fill your hand with a portion of rice. But whenever we're out at restaurants and we don't do it ourselves, that's another thing. You don't know what's in the food, how much yeah. oil, salt. And before you know it, a meal you cook at home, if we do talk calories, that could be like 550 calories in a restaurant. It could easily be 900 to 1,000 just from oil and salt or butter. Wow. Like your yeah. broccoli could be drenched in butter and you don't know how much butter. Mashed potato is a good example. I used oh. to work and do a lot of work with chefs in restaurants. Half a pack of butter to go in <gasps> one portion of mashed potato to make it that puree. You know, that beautiful... Yeah, it's creamy. Yeah. There is a lot oh of God. butter in that. I mean, when you eat out, fair enough. But in yes. culture today, we used to eat we eat out all the time. Mm. Well, we used to. <laughs> we used to before lockdown. <laughs> Everything's changed again now. It's good, actually, though. It might kind of reset people a little bit. It might kind of... People are exercising more. People seem to be eating together more so maybe it'll reset people and not not go out so frivolously as we used to I mean we used to go out quite a bit but the appreciation for going out like I've never never craved someone else cooking my food before in the way that yeah but lockdown has got two ends of the spectrum it's either got worse or better for people I think Mm -hmm. it's like two extremes there isn't a middle ground it's very strange yeah I think you're right it's it's, yeah it's been interesting um Another, you obviously have your own podcast, which again is brilliant. And I love that you get on, you know, medical professionals. I love mm-hmm. that you speak to really like lots of doctors, lots of yeah. like, it's brilliant. It's so, it's so informative. And it, I love, I love that you, that you, you know, re, again, you're super honest and, and you ask the questions you want to hear, you know, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you get in contact with those kind of people? Is it, they just on do you just look for them or have you come into contact with them at various um events or how do you find your guests oh it's a combination Carrie. and I I feel so humble every time I get to interview these leading experts in the UK and the world actually now on their their fields so we could have neuroscientists on we could have psychologists we have cardiologists doctors from all different backgrounds It, it blows my mind I learn so much it's a lot of research. So I used to do a lot of lectures at universities before lockdown. It's now on Zoom, but I would go and I might 
um, what do you call it? Like a talent scout. I would scout out um, <laughs> other professors at the uni and I'd be like, well, I'm a visiting lecturer today and I can see this is your your chosen field of study and you've got a PhD in, I don't know, the gut microbiome and the immune system. Would you like to come on my podcast to discuss, you know, how what we eat can affect our immune system? And, and it would just spiral from there. And I do a lot of research online. I mean, I'm looking at their TED Talks, if there's experts that have got books out that want to promote their book. Or yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of time. And then writing the briefs for each episode, because I'm very, unless it's a nutrition-based subject, I don't know. I am the listener asking the questions. I don't yeah. have a neuroscience I shared two modules of neuroscientists and that was it. I don't have a clue. It's It takes a lot of research, yeah, but it's very I, good. I love it. It blows my mind. I learned so much as well, Kerry. So I, I love food for thought. Yeah, it's so good. Check it out, guys, because it's it's oh. it's really it's really good. Um, and you've done you've created your own little festival, haven't you? Aren't you? Yes, you, you had you've you've done one. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, and then lockdown happened. So I'm glad I got it in. <laughs> glad I got it in. I couldn't get lockdown. in. It sold out so fast. I couldn't believe it. That was a, well, obviously, because you're yeah. You no, know, it's fantastic. So is the plan to do more of those? I hope to. Um, to be honest, I've been looking back at the last year and I still feel one of the highlights for me, Carrie, was getting to duet with you. <laughs> I look back and Carrie invited me to sing oh. for good with you. It, that that to me was so special and oh. emotional. I will always remember that. That was, And I was pregnant at the time. You were, yeah. You knew, I think that was five weeks at that You point. were. Very... I was very sick. <laughs> Well, you looked incredible and you sang beautifully. Well, actually, that leads me on quite quickly or quite yes. nicely to our my, my next, my last couple of questions. Okay. Is your highest moment, your best moment? I mean, it could be, it could be obviously anything, performance, nutrition, it, not really. I know our babies are obviously, you know, it's yeah, no yeah, question. Yeah. But is there a moment that really stands out for you that's just been one of the best moments creative really I think is what I'm after okay Ooh. you can think there's probably been lots I so feel much. very lucky yeah because it's, it's hard because there have been so many moments in my nutrition and my music career that would I guess my book launch would be I think that was pretty I, I still couldn't quite believe that someone like me who's always been the underdog you know I wasn't the top of the class in science or maths could write a book and getting to celebrate that night and have people recognize and seeing how it helps people when I get messages saying oh you know my, your book has changed my life or it's helped me have a health relationship with it, that is apart from the birth of Zachary that is pretty special I, I think um yeah sorry it's probably not as creative as, as you know it's lovely no it's lovely yeah. and it's nice especially with all the different kind of people I've spoken to of what yeah. what people do choose and it that's that's lovely and rightly so absolutely and I guess the other end of the spectrum if you had a really dark time a really low point I mean we've probably talked about it you know the early on in the performance yeah. career but is there anything that stands out it probably was the music industry days I was doing one the, the one moment that I really really remember is I was singing on this catwalk show I was doing a fashion show I think it's London Fashion Week and I was singing this kind of ethereal um cadence of ours just like like you do you know some like beat DJ and I'm just going you know the side of the (laughs) runway they're like strutting their stuff 
when they go, I've got a great idea, you can do this and we'll have that. And then horses will ride in and someone yeah. will fly, yeah, and you're like, right, okay. It was it was one of those. It was ridiculous <laughs> when I looked back. But I was backstage and I was in a very dark place. I was on the meds then and I, I definitely wasn't eating well. And one of the models was eating cotton wool. And I remember, yeah, she was going, oh, this is great. You know, this keeps me from, you know, getting hungry. And that to me, I'll never forget. And I, I went away and I tried it. And I remember feeling so, that the texture Please don't, I mean, chewing, it was revolt. It's like chalk on a blackboard kind of thing. It makes you feel. Mm. But that was when I think, oh my gosh, I've just tried to eat cotton wool because I've seen a model on a catwalk. And I think even me singing at that catwalk show, I was so much bigger than these. Now, obviously, I look back on healthy models. At the time, I know the industry's got a lot better, but it was was not good. Mm. I was so consumed with fad diets and I thought I would never make it in the music industry if I looked the way I was I just was so unhappy that's probably the darkest time I think Mm. oh it's terrible it's so sad isn't it it's so sad that you know people can can think that that's okay and it's oh it makes me so sad especially when you become a parent as well and you think oh my goodness please you know you just want the best for your child and to try and educate them to be healthy yeah. and to live a living sustain happy and healthy life is 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 huge. It's huge. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, it's you know, thank you so much for sharing that because I know yeah. a lot of young people do listen to this and especially young performers. And they it's nice for them to hear the struggles and the highs and the lows of what other pe- other professionals and successful people have, have gone through. So bless your heart. Right, I can't let Rhiannon leave without asking her my final question that I ask all my special guests. If you were to look back on your 20-year-old self and give yourself a piece of advice that you've been given or you would give yourself, what would it be of how to keep calm and carry on? I love it. Keep calm and carry on. I know. I was prepared because I love, I listen to all your podcasts. I was thinking, what would I say? What's and now, I'm, now I'm on the show. Um, <laughs> I think... Um, Something my dad told me that his dad told him that I've always tried to remember in every situation is treat others how you would want to be treated. And I I think every industry I've been in or every, be it my part-time job when I worked in Subway, when I was a sandwich artist, or even now working with other health professionals, if you are nice and you just enjoy yourself people will respect you more that you don't need to put on a front is what I'm trying to say mm. be yourself be be kind and maybe that's why I'm a bit more open I guess I think if you treat others how you want them to be with you it's just always served me well I think that in any walk of life or no matter who you're with that is just the perfect way to finish this. You just yeah. are such a joy. I come in, mean, I could talk to you all day, obviously. I know, I we could. <laughs> um, but um, but we, better, we better sign off now. But thank you so much for coming on. Please, everybody, sure. check out uh, Rhiannon's book and podcast. And, uh, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Go thank and enjoy you your baby. I will. Thank Bye. you.
Well, that's it for another week. Oh, my goodness. I think we have a few guests left to keep you occupied over the festive time. I hope you guys are all ready for Christmas. Not long now. I don't know how many sleeps it is, but not many. I'm off to Dubai tomorrow, which is super exciting to do a lovely Christmas show to get me all in the mood. But a few thank yous. Lovely Rhiannon, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your tips and experiences. What a joy. Obviously, our lovely Martin producer. Thank you so much. And of course, you, the listeners. I hope you're getting really festive and I will see you next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.